you know the story of Job is believed to occur somewhere around Genesis chapter 4. It's a very early story. And if you notice that, despite the fact that Job's wife acted very foolishly, the Bible never made us know that God did not give Job a different wife. The same stubborn wife that Job had is the same wife that Job stuck to at the end. Even though his children had died, everybody had died, and God gave him seven sons and three daughters, but you are not told about the wife. The same wife that <laughs> Job had is the same wife that he stayed with. Just to let us understand that in the beginning, what God has joined together, let's no man put asunder. So yeah, that's just by the way. So we are back <laughs> looking at Jesus. We need to see Jesus. We need to listen to Jesus. So God was telling them on their mouth, and God is telling us that you must see Jesus. And when you don't just see Jesus, you must listen to him. So the voice came and said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So how is this important? What's the importance of seeing Jesus in the law and the prophets? It's very important. So when the Lord tells us that, love your neighbor as yourself, what does Jesus tell us? Love your neighbor as I have loved you. And in the series of love, we look into this. So if you have not listened to it, can go back to listen to the series of love. There's a difference between loving your neighbor as yourself and loving your neighbor as Christ has loved you. It is very important. So when the Lord tells us that it's only when you have killed somebody, you have committed murder, what is what does Jesus tell us? Jesus tells us that when you have hatred in your heart, you have committed murder. So who are we supposed to listen to? The law or Jesus? Jesus. The same thing happened when they came to him. So that this woman had been caught in adultery. And the funny thing that when you listen to the law, what most do is those who were caught in adultery, that is the man and the woman that needed to be stoned to death. But they mysteriously, they brought only the woman. Only God knows what happened to the man. Who said that oh, they were trying to test him. So it didn't really happen. Me, I believe that the man he didn't need for speed. <laughs> when he saw the men stumbled on him, I jumped over the window. <laughs> and he went. So when the Lord said that this guy has sinned, he must stone him. What does Jesus say? Jesus said, your sin has been forgiven you. Go and sin no more. So whatever the Lord tells you, listen. And let's look at a very practical example from the Bible. The reason why is because you always choose the law or the prophets over the voice of Jesus. And let's look at the scenario in Luke chapter 9. I think from the verse 54, let's have 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, would thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? So Jesus entered a particular place and people did not receive him. So he started to head towards Jerusalem. And James and John, very, very interesting people. Interestingly, Peter didn't speak. It was James and John. He said, Father, should we command fire? He didn't say Jesus should command fire. For that instant, they just knew that they had the power to command fire. If Jesus told them to command fire, they never did any miracle. Or they never asked that Jesus, should we multiply the five loaves and the two fishes? They never said that. They never said, Jesus, should we heal the sick? Jesus, should we raise the dead? But when people were mocking Jesus, he said, should we command fire just as Elijah did? And look at the response of Jesus. Fantastic. 55. But he turned and he rebuked them and he said, Know ye what manner of spirit ye are of. So you can use a different, okay, let's use a different Bible version so that you understand the sweetness of Jesus' answer. So that is Luke chapter 9, the verse 55. So it says, But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know what manner of spirit ye are of. And look at the verse 56. 
for the son of man is not come to destroy man's life but to save them this is very important when you don't see jesus you have an inaccurate relationship with him and with the father and it's very important jesus came to give us an understanding of who god really is the law and the prophets could not do that because of sin which was in them let's look at first john 5:20 talking about jesus's mission he said and we know that the son of god is come and had come to give us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his son jesus christ when jesus came he came to give us an accurate image of who god is so when james and john wanted to rain down fire like elijah did jesus told them that you do not know which manner of spirit you are of is the spirit of slavery that is the spirit of the old testament that is the spirit of hagar and last week we look at allegory so we know the difference between hagar and and sarai from galatians chapter 4 so those who are of hagar they are the ones who want to command fire but jesus said that i am not going to destroy man's life one scripture that many of us take for granted is john 10:10. the devil does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy but i have come that ye may have life and that you may have abundance see many of us see the father as a man of both evil towards us so many of us are really not convinced about the generosity of god towards us and because of this inaccurate image many of us are like the prodigal son the first one you remember we have done this in the parable of the loving father he didn't know that all that the father had was his so when he came and he saw that his father was doing a party for his younger son he was angry and the father said why are you angry this my son was dead and now he's alive but know this that all i have is yours so the reason why many of us are not enjoying the richness of our walk with god is because we don't have an accurate image of who god is and the only way we can have an accurate image of who god is is by looking at jesus so that is why many of us are like james and john we want to respond in the way the law and the prophets would but jesus said you don't know which manner of spirit you are of you see many of us will not appreciate this but one day i was into one of my spiritual instructors and he was like when he was a teenager he lost both his father and his mother in one year not together i think the father died earlier in the year and the mother died later on in that same year as a teenager and it was one of the most heartbreaking moments you can imagine it i don't need to even tell you the story and he said that whenever he goes to church when he was a teenager after that happened he found it very difficult whenever he goes to church and they say god is good and they say all the time and all the time god is good he just could not bring himself to say these words whenever they are singing songs about the goodness of god he just could not bring himself to sing these songs because he didn't understand how a good god would allow his father and his mother to die he lived him as an orphan so you see this is what happens when we don't know who god is that is why james the one tells us that do not end my beloved brethren every good and every perfect gift comes from above the father of light in whom there's no variableness no shadow of turning god is a good god god is not a thief 
He doesn't come to steal from us. He doesn't come to kill us. He doesn't come to destroy us. So whenever you see these three things at play in your life, you should know that it is not the hand of God. But you see, because many of us are like Job, many of us are like Job, we don't know who our father is. So I remember in the, in the story of Job, when the wife came to see Job, Job made a statement that after we have received good from God, shall we not receive evil from him also? Meaning that if God gives us good things, they're happy to receive it. Now that he's bringing us something evil, why would we not receive it? Because in Job's mind, both good and evil comes from God. That is why when you look at the Bible, you must see Jesus because he tells you the true nature of God. When you look at the law, they will tell you that if you are caught in adultery, you must be stoned to death. But when you look at Jesus, he will tell you that your sins have been forgiven you. Go and sin no more. That is why you must see Jesus because that's what will inform the richness of your relationship with him. Many of us are not able to enjoy the generosity of our father. We think that God is withholding something good from us. As I always say, we are like Eve. We think that that tree of good and evil is because God doesn't want us to be like him. That's why we cannot be patient with God. When we are in a job and, and the promotion we are looking for is not coming, we think we must cut corners. We think we must be dishonest. We think we must steal. We think we must lie to get that money because we are not convinced that God can supply your every need. That is why you must see Jesus. That is why you must see Jesus. You must see him as the provider. You must see him as the one who does not discriminate nor condemn. You must see him as the one who has brought you, who brings us to the Father. We have peace with God. You see, many a times, especially if I'm battling with sickness, many people are able to approve God with certain boldness because they think for one reason or the other, it is God who brought that sickness upon them. That's why they ask Jesus that question, who sinned? Is it the guy's sin or the, the parent's fault? But God is not a God that brings sickness. He's a God that heals. Remember, the Bible said a kingdom divided on its own cannot stand. So why would God bring sickness and come and heal you of your sickness? The same kingdom is bringing sickness and the same kingdom is healing you of your sickness. So you see, if we don't appreciate this fact about who Jesus is, that he came to give us an understanding, our relationship with God will be tattered. I remember some episodes ago, I, mean, I, I brought this up that we are supposed to be specific in prayer. But to what extent are you supposed to be specific in prayer? You see, if you have an inaccurate image of who the Father is, you think that if you say, God, I need a phone, God will bring you Nokia 3310. But which of us, if our father was Bill Gates, we go and tell that Bill Gates that Bill Gates, I need a phone, and Bill Gates to bring nothing less than the latest phone in town. But because you don't know who your father is, and the only reason why we don't know who our father is is because we have not seen Jesus. Hebrews calls him the express image of his person. So I heard one of my spiritual instructors say that Jesus is the face of God. He makes us see who God is, whilst the Holy Spirit is the voice of God. So in Revelation, even though it was Jesus who appeared to John and was speaking, the Bible kept saying, hear the words of the Spirit. Even though it was Jesus who was speaking to John, he was saying, hear the voice, and the voice of what the Spirit said to me. So whenever God speaks to you, he speaks to you through the voice of the Spirit. So in 1 John 5, he said, that three that bear witness. I think we should read that scripture, 1 John 5, verse 7. He says that, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit, and these are one. So they bear record of each other. How do you know that the Father is good? Look at Jesus. 
He came to die for you. That's why Jesus is the expression of God's love for you. Why would the same God who came to die you from sin and its consequences still be angry at you? Why would God still be angry at you? Many of us, we don't have that boldness to approach God because we think that God is angry at us. That's because we are not looking at Jesus. But when you see Jesus, even on the cross, he could say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. These people don't know what they are doing. Hey, how can you spit on somebody and say you spit on a person accidentally? They lash this guy, but Jesus still on the cross. So when we look at the man on the cross, he gives us an expression of the generosity of our father. So when he was in the wilderness, people were hungry. And all that they had was five loaves and two fishes. And the disciples came to me and said, Charlie, Papa, let's sack them all because it's getting dark and we don't have any food to give them all. What did he say? He said, ah, how can you sack people who have come to listen to me for about three days? He said, let them sit down. And God provided their every need. God will provide your every need. God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. How would you know this? Is when you look at Jesus. When you see how Jesus provided the needs for the 4,000 men, in the wilderness. When you look at the way Jesus calmed the storms, when you look at the way Jesus healed the Savior, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How will you know that if you are sick, God will heal you? Is because Jesus came to heal the sick. So if you don't see Jesus, you have an inaccurate image of who God is. I just came to remind somebody that God is good. You see, when you have this understanding, as I always say, you will know that the closed doors in your life is God directing your path. I have a friend who, who completed his master's last year and he finished his, his everything and was looking for a job and he wants to be a lecturer, but he was afraid that because of his lack of experience, he won't get the opportunity to be a lecturer. So he was looking for a private school to teach him and he kept applying for private schools. They kept rejecting him. And there was one that he was very close. He went for the interview, he went for the training office. And according to him, once he was there, you know, they, they take about a group on them. He said he noticed one guy who was not there with them at the beginning. You know, they did interview, they did a presentation and all those. He said he noticed one guy who all the presentation they were doing was not part. But mysteriously, he got the job. And this guy was broken hearted for about six months. He was he couldn't find a job with a master's degree. But it just took one day when he had a call from a university. And now they even called him to be a lab technician at the university. When he got there, they told him that the issue is that they want him to be an assistant lecturer because the current assistant lecturer is leaving. She's has got the opportunity to be a lecturer in public university. And they also want him to be an exams officer. And the pay he had in mind was doubled for him. He didn't even, and when he went for the interview, he didn't ask for his pay. So he was asking me that, hey, Charlie, did you ask for my pay? What do I do? I said, Charlie, just go. I go do it. <laughs> and the money he would have asked for, they gave him times two. He was downfounded. Two weeks into the job, his head of department came for some of his class and he called him that, Charlie, right now, we are all getting old. And I can see that you can be a lecturer. So in less than one month of working, he was promoted from being an assistant lecturer to a lecture with a master's degree and his pay has been increased. So you see, but first a few months ago, when private schools were denying him, when he was not even qualified to come for interview, he would have been bitter and angry against God that where are you? But little did he know that God was ordering the events of his life for that breakthrough. And if you know that God is good, 
when you are in a season of closed doors, you will not be perplexed. When you are in a season of your womb is being closed like Hannah, you will not be perplexed because you know that the lines are falling onto you in pleasant places. God is good. And it's only when we look at Jesus, that man on the middle cross, who was willing to strip naked just so that you will never be naked, who gave up his riches so that you will never be poor, who up his friendship and his fellowship with God to bear the wrath of God just so that you can be brought near to God. How dare you think that God is angry at you? And this is why when you look at the Bible, you must see Jesus. And this is the first lens by which you'll be able to appreciate or understand the Old Covenant or the Old Testament, what we call the Law and the Prophets. But that's not the only reason. That's not the only way to rightly divide the Old Testament. Another thing, Romans chapter 15 verse 4, it's saying that for everything that was written in the past, talking about Old Covenant, I'm using the NIV, I've used the King James, was written to teach us so that through the endurance, look at the word, through the endurance taught in scriptures or taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. Ah, the Bible is sweet. Let's read the King James. Romans 15 verse 4. It says that, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and the comfort of scriptures, might have hope. So when we read the law and the prophets, after seeing Jesus, that's not all the law and the prophet shows us. But another thing the law and the prophet does is that it teaches us. NIV says through the endurance. King James says through the patience and the comfort of scripture, we might have hope. So when you look at Abraham, who was barren, when you read about Abraham, it gives you a certain comfort that every promise of God concerning your life will come to pass. That's what we call the patience and the comfort of scripture. When you are going through hard times and you look at David, who was being chased by a demon-possessed king, and it feels like your life's always been under sabotage. Every job you are going to, people are sabotaging you, and you are wondering, when will you have rest? When you read about David, how he had to go from one cave to another, one cave to another, one wilderness to another, hiding, but one time, it just took one day for him to be enthroned as king. When you read about these things, because it's the patience and the comfort of scripture. I always say when you read these things, I see the Bible is hugging you. And as you already know, when I read about Papa Joseph of the Old Testament, as in Jacob's son, ah, a man who had two dreams, yet was in prison. I just get a hug. It's as if the Bible is hugging me that, oh, Papa Sam, don't worry. One night, you sleep as a prisoner, and the next morning, you wake up as a prime minister. You know, just recently, I had a friend who was a doctor, and for about six months or so, his pay had not come entirely. Doctor, Pan, he was broke. So one early morning, I just woke up and he sent me a text message and I laughed so much. And the text message read that, and he's called Joseph, and he knows I like saying this thing. He's called Joseph and he sent me that, Charlie, one night, Joseph slept a broke doctor and he woke up as a Ghanaian millionaire. I said, yeah, yeah, his money has come. <laughs> You see, it just takes one day for God to change your story. And sometimes when you are in that season, it may look so tough. 
it may look so discouraging it may look so depressing but whenever you read about the endurance of job it gives you the patience and the comfort of scripture when you look at your life that you know nobody nobody is there to help you you want often but when you look at esther you know that Charlie there is nothing impossible with God so when you read about the law and the prophets it's as if they are hugging you that tell you that don't worry brother don't worry that God is working behind the scenes so that to bring us an end to the old testament or to the law and the prophets okay yeah and also the romans 15 verse 4 i forgot one for that it teaches us so many things particularly about the nature of human beings and just today just in the morning um i was just reading over my notes i came across a funny story that it teaches about how human beings we are it's about this guy judah you know judah's i think daughter in law called tamar she married onan and something happened and god killed onan then um he married onan's brother and now until he died and judah told tamar that she should wait um you get a child blah 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 and what happened was that tamar knew that judah had lied to her so tamar went to dressed as a prostitute and stood at the gates of the city and in those times when you do that it like everybody was a prostitute so Judah came from town as you say it more and he saw this lady by Eli Lut was his daughter in law and he slept with her as a prostitute he gave her, um i think a staff and a, and a, and a red scarlet or something as promise that he would i think take care of her also so few days later when Judah heard that Tamar has been pregnant if you look at the story it's very funny Judah pronounced judgment on Tamar. Remember, he didn't know that it was Tamar that he had slept with some days ago. So when he heard that his daughter-in-law was pregnant, it means that the daughter-in-law was going to sleep with somebody else. So Judah quickly said that Charlie, they should stone her to death. He didn't bring her for questioning though. So when they went for Tamar to about to kill her, then Tamar brought out the staff and the rod. He said that the owner of this staff and the rod is the father of my child. Just for them to notice that Charlie, it belongs to Judah. And you can imagine Judas face fell down. <laughs> and it's just about the nature of human beings. So when you read about the old covenant about the law and the prophet it teaches you about human beings. Look at Saul. Saul is chasing after David. David had the opportunity to kill you once he didn't kill you. He spared your life. Then Saul came up and said, "Oh, truly I know that blah 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 blah." Then Saul would leave him. Then some few months later Saul would say, "Nah, I must go back and kill David." And it's just about the nature of human beings. So them I like what the Bible said about Jesus. Jesus trusted no man for he knew what was in the heart of men. So when you read about the law and the it teaches you about the heart of human being. We can be some way <laughs> So it teaches us. So I think we have done enough of the law and the prophets. So there are two things. You must see Jesus in the law and the prophets and you must learn when you read about it and you must allow the bible to comfort you and to hug you when you are looking for a spouse allow the bible to hug you you may be like like Naomi and, and Ruth you may be like Ruth who may think that Charlie my time is past but there's a Boaz waiting for you so be comforted by scripture so now let's look at the next portion which obviously is the new testament and basically the new testament it has two broad categorizations that's the gospels so the gospels we know they are four primary we have what you call the synoptic gospels that is matching matching gospel but i don't want to know it all those uh as a technical words or technical terms but there's some few things for us to know about the gospel the gospel is simply written for us to know that indeed the prophecy of scripture has been fulfilled 
Now, one thing about the law and the prophets is that it showed us the channel by which God would come in flesh. So if you notice in Matthew and in Luke, it gives us the genealogy of Jesus just to let us know that Jesus did not appear from Jesus is not Melchizedek. You know, Melchizedek, he just appeared on the scene. But Matthew and Luke gives us the genealogy of Jesus, letting us know that he is human. Jesus came as flesh. That's one important thing for us to know. So the genealogy of Jesus gives us the historic fact of the existence of God. And that's what the Gospels, or that's what the main purpose of the Gospel that Jesus, the promised Messiah, has come. And I know most of us know that many people are still waiting for the Messiah. <laughs> Despite all the evidence and the fulfillment of Scripture, people are still waiting for the coming of Jesus or the coming of the, of the Messiah or the promised one. But the Gospels let us know that He has come. He has come. His existence. And you see, it's very important, especially if we read about John. That's one of the things that John had to fight in his days. That's why John tells us that test every spirit for every spirit that does not accept that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not of God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. Every spirit that denies the humanity of Jesus is the spirit of the Antichrist. It may look as simple as that, but denying the humanity of Jesus is denying the existence of Jesus and the work he came to do meaning that we don't have salvation yet, meaning that God is a lie, meaning that Jesus is not true. So the humanity of Jesus is very, very important because without his humanity, it also denies his death. Because if Jesus didn't come as man, but he came as God or as a spirit being, then he's not qualified to die for us because it was man that sinned and it is man that needs to pay for that sin. So the Gospels emphasize or let us know that indeed, he has come. But that's the importance the gospel came to play primarily. To let us know that in Genesis, when God told Eve that your seed will bruise, that seed has come. So the gospels are simply like the generals of the apostles or people related to the apostles. And as I said, Matthew, Mark, Luke are called the synoptic gospels, but don't worry about <laughs> those things. And it also emphasize about the humanity of Jesus, that he lived as a man and he died as a man. And not just that, but he came to show us how as a man we should live the victorious life in Christ. So how even though he was a man subject to the same elements as we, he was subject to hunger, subject to tiredness, subject to, to feelings of anger and all those things, yet still he lived the victorious life. So he didn't just come to die, but he came to be an example to us on how we should live. So when you, as we know, mostly say, young when you are in Sunday school, that what would Jesus do? <laughs> uh, so he's, he came to give us a sample of how we should live. So we call him the ideal son of God. So we now, as children and sons of God, Jesus is, is the example of the life we should live. But there's a few things that we should know about the gospel, that the gospel's didn't just document the, the reality of his coming, but the four dimensions, if I you see, or the four manifestations of his life, the four manifestations of his life. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And obviously you notice the difference in the information that they carry. 
and the difference in the angle that they approach the same person. So even though they are all writing about the same person and the same activities he did, you would realize that there's a difference. And it all boils down to each person presenting Jesus in his full entirety. One person could not adequately adequately communicate all of Jesus. That is why we have the four Gospels. And Matthew communicated or wrote about Jesus as a king. So one, if you notice in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, let's go there. Talking about when I was presenting the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew 1 verse 1. You see how Matthew decided to talk about Jesus. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So why did he start like this? Why did he start with the son of David? Even though we know Abraham came before David, he said the genealogy of the generation of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob. And if you go down, he still talks about David again. So why then did he have to put David in the verse one? It's just to emphasize the fact that he's communicating Jesus as a king. And it's not surprising that Matthew was the one that got inspired to do that. Because you know that Matthew was a tax collector. And you know those days, they would take the tax on behalf of, I think, Caesar. So that's how they were cheating people. So they were more of the, they were the, like the big men of the day. Because even if Caesar is saying that tax is 10 cities, and they come and tell the tax is 30 cities, you won't know. And if you don't pay, they'll go and tell the king. So we see that tax collectors had their allegiance to the king. They knew how to relate with kings. They knew about how royalty behaves. So he'll be the best person looking at his background to talk about the royalty of Jesus. So if you take a look at how Matthew decided to present Jesus, he presented Jesus as the king of kings. So even in his genealogy, he traced his genealogy to the King David. So he called him the son of David. And this just by the way, if you notice in the genealogy, in Matthew, it goes as Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas. But now let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 3 in presenting the genealogy of Jesus. So Luke chapter 3, I think in the verse 24, it says this, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years old, being as it was the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Martha, which was the son of Levi. So was Matthew is saying the father begat the son. This was in the son of this. This one, I'll leave it for you. There's some ravine time. <laughs> but it's interesting that Matthew decided to trace the genealogy of Jesus from the father. And he used the kingship line. But for Luke, he did not use the same approach um, as Matthew did. Now, for Matthew, he was emphasizing the kingship of Jesus. But for Luke, was emphasizing the son of man or the fact that he was human if i should say in the sense that if you don't know me if i tell you i have a son there's a cause to doubt right because i may not be of age to have a son i may not be married or whatever but if i come and tell you i have a father <laughs> there's no way you can doubt because it's impossible it's impossible for me to exist without a father, but it's possible for a man to exist without a son. So that is why Jesus always referred to himself as the son of God or the son of man. In fact, Jesus never referred to himself as the son of God. He always referred to himself as the son of man. 
talking about the fact that he is human and Luke traces his genealogy showing the humanity of Jesus that it's like when somebody comes on the scene listen you are there now and a big guy has come the first well hey, where is he from who is his hometown who is his father who is his mother well everybody like him is like out of a natural question that comes like who is this guy so if you want to know who this guy called Jesus the carpenter is you go to Luke and it's also interesting that if you look at Revelation chapter 4 verse 6 following it talks about a unique creature or a unique being which we have called the four living creatures and their form is called the tetramorph tetramorph tetra means four and morph means the morphology or the form or the shape of something and it talks about a very scary creature sometimes most of us go picture these things we think they are <laughs> like seraphim seraphims are really really scary they have a serpent like nature they are really really scary and if you got a four living creatures the bible says they have eyes all over and one of the four one is the face of a lion one is a face of a calf one is a face of an eagle and one is the face of a man i don't know which type of creature that is but just imagine a creature with four faces and if you read revelation chapter 4 verse 6 it says that these four living creatures are the center of the throne and beside it is the seven lampstands which signify the spirit of god so the four living creatures talks about the four manifestations of the son of man the four forms by which he expresses himself the lion representing the kingship of Jesus and that's how Matthew referred to Jesus as the king of kings Luke referred to or wrote about Jesus as a man representing the man in the four living creatures then John referred to Jesus as the son of god so if you look at john he didn't do any genealogy john went straight in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god talking about the fact that this being you have seen is god incarnate and he represents the eagle dimension of god because you know the eagles are they don't live on land they are air talking about the fact that he's not of this earth he's of a divine origin and it's interesting that john was the one who was chosen to communicate the divinity of Jesus is no wonder that he also wrote or he was chosen by God to write about or to write the book of revelations because he believed he was more than convinced about the divinity of Jesus then we go to Mark Mark writing about the calf and the calf or the ox is talking about the servanthood of Jesus so if you look at Mark he didn't talk about where Jesus was born nothing Mark just talked about the works of Jesus and that's how servants are when a servant comes in and see nobody cares about a servant all we want to know is what the servant is coming to do so you look at Mark just by the street Jesus is on the scene he's, he's baptized and anointed he's healing the sick raising the dead <laughs> because nobody cares about where servants come from nobody's interested all we are interested about is the work that they come to do and that's what the calf or the ox represents because those days they were using plowing they were using doing domestic work so Matthew talking about the kingship or the king dimension of Jesus Mark talking about his servanthood even though he's a king he still serves and Luke is saying that he's a man even though he's a man he got hungry he got thirsty he slept he's still divine from the beginning was the word and when you put all these four together then you get the complete picture of who Jesus is that is why all four gospels are needed in rightly dividing the word of truth they give us a perfect picture 
And just to conclude, John tells us in John chapter 21, verse 31, and he's saying that, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God, and that by believing, ye might have life through his name. So whenever you read about the gospels of Jesus, it is just to convince you that this person that you have entrusted your life with, he is the one. Do not think twice about what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, that in believing in him, you would have life. And remember John 10, 10, the devil came to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that ye may have life. So anything that robs you of quality life is not of Jesus. Poverty, sickness, frustration, all those things that rob you of a quality life. So this evening, even as we are ending this episode, our last but one, I want to present to you again the man of Galilee, the carpenter, Jesus the Christ. We need to be convinced beyond all doubt. You know, there are so many funny theories that is he the only way and all those things. I know most of you have heard all these things. You need to be convinced beyond all doubt. That is why God came on the Mount of Transfiguration and said, This is my beloved son. In the baptism, he opened up the heavens and he said, This is my beloved son. And it's interesting that John the Baptist, even though the heavens opened and he heard the voice, when he was in prison, he sent his people, actually, are you the Messiah? <laughs> or oh, we should expect another one. And many of us are like John the Baptist. John the Baptist, you were there when the heavens opened. Now you're asking, are you the one? And I love the response of Jesus. Hey, go and tell John that the sick is healed, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are coming back to life. So by the works of him, Jesus said, if you do not believe me for my works, for my works sake, believe on me. And this evening we came to present you Jesus. He heals the brokenhearted. He cleans the lepers. He sets free those who are in bondage. So whatever season of life you are in, look up to Jesus. Look up to Jesus. He was rejected so that you will be accepted. You see, many of us don't feel confident in ourselves. If somebody doesn't tell us we are looking nice, we are not okay in ourselves. We need to polish our face, polish everything about us. Human beings in itself, it feels insufficient. And it's true. We are totally insufficient. But you should look at the man on the cross. He took your insufficiency so that you'll be sufficient. I pray for every one of us suffering from inferiority complex. I pray that you will look at Jesus. People who are making wrong choices in life because we think we are not loved enough. Look at Jesus. People are making wrong choice enough because we think Jesus is not enough. Like, we need to add something to Jesus. Ah, he has come that we may have life and that we may have it abundantly. Look at Jesus. You may be in that season of life where it seems like things are going slow. But look at Jesus. You see, we want to just reflect on Jesus, the man on the middle cross. The man on the middle cross. Focus on Jesus. David said that when he entered into the tabernacle of God, I gazed upon the beauty of God. Look at the beauty of God in your life. And that's what robs many of us. Look at how God has taken care of you right from primary, right from secondary school to the universities. 
times that you thought you wouldn't get school fees, God came through for you. Do you think that now that you have finished school, God will not give you a job? But because we are focusing on the storms of life like Peter, we have taken our eyes off Jesus. But this evening, even as we are rightly divided, what God wants us to see is Jesus, my beloved son. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for reminding us about the perf- about your perfect image. We thank you for reminding us about the author and the finisher of our faith. We are so weak to start the faith life. So Jesus started it for us. And we are so weak to finish this faith life. Jesus finishes for us. Thank you for Jesus. Oh, thank you for his work on the cross. Thank you that in ourselves we can do nothing. But whenever we look unto Jesus, ah, but we see Jesus. Father, may we see Jesus in our life. May we reflect Jesus and may him alone be exalted in the name of our Lord Jesus. This week, purpose in your heart to focus on Jesus. I know you may not have money in your pocket or you may not have the money you want. You may still be looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. You may still be feeling that infirmity in your body, but refuse to feel that pain. Like what God told Moses, that when the serpent buys them, do not chase after the serpent, but look at the brown serpent. And any man who looks at the brown serpent shall be healed. It is just as the brown serpent was lifted up, so shall the son of man lift him up. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him, he will not perish but have everlasting life. God bless you for being with us. And next week, we'll be rightly dividing part 10. And we'll be looking at the epistles. That'll be a very, very short episode. And we'll spend some time in prayer too. Remember to give God your best and to make sure that you owe no man nothing but love. Bye-bye.